Chilion, they get married, which was an oasis for Naomi after the death of Elimelech. And then ultimately, Ruth becomes a place of refuge for Naomi as she returns back. And then, of course, Boaz comes on the scene, and Boaz becomes this great place of refuge and safety for Ruth. Right? And so, really, what we see is that God is that protector, but God uses people. This message series through the book of Ruth has been focusing on how God is the oasis in the dry, barren existence of this world. Through Ruth's journey, we watch as God meets her and takes care of her in extraordinary ways. But as Pastor Daniel points out today, God uses people too. Are you ready and willing to submit to God through his process for your life, like Boaz was? Are you ready to be the one God uses as an oasis for someone else? Now, here's Pastor Daniel in Ruth chapter 4 as he begins his message, God's Plan All Along. So one of the most inevitable parts of life is the fact that distractions abound. Am I the only one here who's got like a PhD in distractions? It's amazing how it works. You have this thing that you know that deep in your heart, this is what I want to do. And then you go to do it, and then everything else becomes super important. Isn't it true? Like where you're like, all I want to do right now is I want to go spend time with my kids, right? And then right as you have that thought, which is a great thing and a great thought, right as that happens, all of a sudden your email starts blowing up. Or you have these little devices in your pocket that start buzzing like crazy, right? And it's amazing. The th- things that it buzzes about, you, we're so attuned to those devices that all of a sudden it's like the idea of like spending time with your family is one thing, but then you're just like staring at this thing the whole time, right? And before you know it, you look back and you're like, well, what just happened? Where did the time go? I missed the opportunity. Now, that's true in the moment, but it also can be true for our lives as well. I, you know, I use this example because this actually just happened to me this week. We see in the news that there's been this rash of suicides by celebrities. Now, you know, we live here in the Northwest. We realize that suicide is at an epidemic proportion here, even in our own community amongst young people. But, you know, when you hear of a number of people who are on TV or, or in the media and, and it really breaks your heart. And so as I was kind of you know, woke up, I was thinking about this. And so I did what I normally do is I felt like as I was praying about it, I started writing. You know, it's kind of part of what God has called me to do. And so I sat down and I wrote an article and literally I just kind of like, it just kind of came out and I sent it off. And before I even sent it off, I got back word. Like it was like within like five minutes that all these different outlets wanted to run the article, right? And so, and this was on my day off nonetheless, You know what I mean? And so sure enough, I spent almost the entire rest of the day staring at one of my four devices, watching all the things that were happening because of this article. But the only problem was, is it was my day off and my kids were home from school and I was staring at a computer screen. And finally, my bride, Lynn, she's just looked over. She's like, you're pretty distracted with what's going on right now. 
And it was so interesting for me because I knew that I was going to be talking about distraction, but I was actually living it out because by the time it was all said and done, my job wasn't to follow all the things that people would say about the article. My job was just simply to write the article, hoping that it might help in a small way. But all the other thing just caused me to miss out on time with my family. Isn't it true that this happens all the time? It's, you know, and what happens is distractions come in many, many forms. We have our own personal set of distractions, but then there's those people who bring distractions into your life, right? Have you ever had a time where you, you try and go do something and all of a sudden one of your close people, like they become like drama? Do you ever have that happen? You know, like, so like, you know, my middle child, Maranatha, she's 10. And I didn't realize that like, that drama, like girl drama is like a real thing because I'm a dude. And I'm not being like, you know, it's not gender thing, but it's like all of a sudden, man, in eight, nine years old, all of a sudden there's all this girl drama. So, you know, I started saying to, to Maranatha, I'm like, well, save the drama for your mama. <laughs> and then Lynn looks at me and Lynn's just like, what? <laughs> then we abridge it to save the drama for no one, right? But it's amazing how there's those people in your life who, before you know it, it's like you're super distracted, with some craziness, and the thing that you're actually supposed to do is getting not getting done because there's all this craziness going on. Everyone know what I'm talking about? So you know what the problem with that is? Is distraction is the enemy's number one way to keep you from being the person Jesus died and rose again you'd be. It's the number one way. We live in a culture that is driven by distraction, and we're all super distracted, and it's infinite the ways that you can be distracted. But what happens is, is once you get distracted, if you're distracted long enough, you'll completely miss out on a whole bunch of stuff. Like it's one thing in the moment to be distracted. That's another thing to live six months distracted or a year distracted or eight years distracted or decades distracted. And all of a sudden you look at your life and you're like, what was I doing? What did I do? Right? And so I want to talk with you today about things, principles that will help you to deal with your distractions. Things that are bigger than your distractions, that even though you can't stop everything from being distracting, if you have these things right, it will really help you in the journey. Now, we're also closing out our series in the book of Ruth today that we're calling Oasis. Now, it's been really beautiful because as we close out another book of the Bible together, I'm always not surprised, but I'm always blessed by the fact that even though I've taught the book of Ruth many times and I've read it no doubt hundreds of times at this point, each time you come to God's word because it's alive, it speaks to you in some fresh ways. And that's what, so, what I love so much about the word of God as the spirit of God enlivens it into our lives is that we're each, we always say we're all in process. So on each step of the journey when you are interacting with the word of God, God takes things and he applies it uniquely to your life. So to be honest, I've never actually seen the book of Ruth through this lens of oasis. You think about what an oasis is. It's a place of safety or refuge in the midst of troubling times. And what we find is that ultimately in the book of Ruth, God is the oasis, but God is actually using people all the way through. Right? So if you think about it, like Moab was the oasis for Elimelech and Naomi and their family because there was a famine in the land in Bethlehem. So they go up to Moab to try and find it. And then, you know, ultimately then Malon and Chilion, they get married, 
which was an oasis for Naomi after the death of Elimelech. And then ultimately, Ruth becomes a place of refuge for Naomi as she returns back. And then, of course, Boaz comes on the scene. And Boaz becomes this great place of refuge and safety for Ruth. Right? And so really what we see is that God is that protector, but God uses people. And to be honest, I'd never really seen it through that lens before, but it's been very provocative for my heart to watch how God can use different people in different circumstances to be places of safety for people, places of protection for people. And so we're going to be closing out the story today. So open your Bibles to the book of Ruth chapter 4. Ruth chapter 4. We're going to be taking verses 13 to 22 today. Ruth 4, 13 to 22. Now, I want you to be able to read along because I'm not just making these words up. It's like I'm just, I'm reading the text and I'm explaining what's going on. You know, one of the things that I enjoy so much about the Crossroads family is that Crossroads is the kind of place where people are in all different places on their journey, but they're allowed to be here. And I just wanted to say, I realize that we're talking about God being the ultimate oasis, really. Jesus is that place of refuge and he uses people. I realize that for many of you who are here, you're like, yeah, I don't really know that I believe that. And I just wanted to let you know, if you're in that place, thank you for being here today. And you are welcome to be here right where you are. See, we're not scared of your questions here at Crossroads. And the reason we're not scared of your questions is God isn't scared of your questions. Really, you fit right in here because all of us got questions. And so, you know, I realize that for some of you, you're here at church and you're like, man, I never thought I'd go to a church again. I realize a lot of people's struggles with God are because along the way, someone who was religious or someone who believed in God did some really awful things to you. So I just want to thank you for just allowing us to be a place where you can come and explore Jesus. I just wanted to say that because, you know, it's unfortunate. There's so many churches today that it's like, if you don't think like them or dress like them, then you don't belong there. And Crossroads isn't one of those churches. You know, we're one of those churches. We believe that everyone's on a journey. Today is the next day in that journey. And we realize that first, like there's people here, they've been walking with Jesus for decades. You know, there's other people here who are like, I've been walking with Jesus for five minutes and this is awesome, you know? <laughs> and then there's folks who are like, I'm not really sure why I'm here, but I'm here. And guess what? You're all welcome to be here. God's not scared of the step we're on. He actually knows where we are. And so Boaz was willing and he was able to redeem Ruth. And we made the case that Boaz is the perfect example of Jesus, the redeemer. He's willing to do it. He wants to do it. He's willing to go through the process to do it. And what was really beautiful is that right away people started to praise him. You know, they praised Boaz and they blessed him. May your name be great. May you be prosperous for what you've done. And may your house be like the house of Perez. And so when we pick up in verse 13 in the story, it says, So Boaz took Ruth and she became his wife. And when he went into her, the Lord gave her conception and she bore a son. Now, I'm going to give you the principle and I'm going to unpack it both as it relates to the story and as it relates to our life. One of the keys to dealing with your distraction is when you realize that one of God's goals is that you and I be fruitful. God wants us to be fruitful. Now, of course, here, what we find is now Boaz and Ruth, they get married, right? And then, you know, I don't want to give you the birds and the bees talk, 
But, and he went into her, that he's being, they're being literal here. So, so, hey, I didn't write it, man, you know, like, but they enjoyed the physical union of their sacred bounds of marriage. And now all of a sudden, Ruth is with child. Now, what I think is fascinating about this is that all through the book of Ruth, this idea of barrenness has been a running theme. And actually, if you go through your Bible, the idea of barrenness is a running theme. Remember, the land was barren, and so Elimelech took his family up to Moab. Right? There was a famine in the land. And so the land was barren. Now, when they return, Naomi returns and she's literally got barrenness in her heart. Remember, they came back. They're like, you know, she's like, don't call me Naomi, which means pleasant or beautiful. Call me Mara because I'm bitter. Right? And so Naomi ends up with barrenness. And then, of course, there's barrenness in their cupboard because Ruth and Naomi don't have anything. And so she goes out to glean in the fields. Right, But all the way through, the reason this is going on is because Ruth and Orpah, her sister-in-law, they were without child as well. So now all of a sudden, when God brings Boaz and Ruth together, God blesses that union and there's fruitfulness there. Now, the very first promise in the Bible you get in the creation account, Genesis chapter 1, verses 27 and 28. Listen to what it says. This is speaking of the sixth day of creation. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. Then God blessed them, and God said to them, be fruitful and multiply. Fill the earth and subdue it. Have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the birds of the air, and over every living thing that moves on the earth. Now you notice that he creates the male and female, and the first thing he says is be fruitful and multiply. So, and again, not to give you the birds and the bees talk, but when you bring two people together, the fruit of that union is more life. Now, that's true in the physical, right? But it's also true in the spiritual. Here's why. Boaz, I've said it all the way along, is Boaz is a perfect picture of Jesus. And when you are united with Jesus, right, then not only has he forgiven your sins, but God's design is to make you fruitful right where you are. He wants to bear fruit in your life. Listen to what it says in John chapter 15, verse 8. It says, by this my father is glorified that you bear much fruit and so you will be my disciples. Now, I think that this is a huge antidote to distractions because one of the ways we get distractions is we forget the big ideas of what God is actually trying to do in our lives. And really what God is trying to do in your life and in my life and the life of everybody is God is trying to bear fruit in our lives. And when you are united to Jesus, when you put your faith and trust in Jesus... Through abiding in Christ, God bears fruit. If you remember John 15, he talks about how I am the vine and you are the branches. Separated from me, you could do nothing. But if you abide in me and I abide in you, you will bear much fruit. So the idea is just as Boaz and Ruth, they're coming together and there is a oneness. When you put your faith and trust in Jesus, you put your faith and trust in him and then you abide in him. And as you abide in him, the resurrected life of Jesus by his Holy Spirit interacts with your life and bears fruit in your life. Now, here's the thing, and I've said this a million times, I'm going to keep saying it because I believe it's true, is that depending on your circumstances and how you feel about them, the things that you go through will either make you bitter or better. Everything that you go through will either make you bitter or better. Now, you will get bitter 
by messy circumstances if you divorce those circumstances from Jesus. You will get bitter. Because life can be rude and cold in those ways. But if you realize that God is trying to bear fruit in your life, you even though you might not like the situation, you will say, God, I know that you're trying to bear fruit in my life. And so, Lord, have your way. Let me give you an example of this. And I was trying to think of, I mean, so many examples of this. But you think of someone like Joni Erickson Tata. Many of you know who she is. She, as a young woman, she had an accident and she ended up in a wheelchair. Right? Now, for Joni Erickson Tata, she realized that God wanted to use the wheelchair as a way to bring glory to himself. And her life in ministry has been a great example of somebody who has suffered tremendous hardships, but has allowed God to cultivate the fruit of the Spirit in her life and has used it for a powerful way. But we all, unfortunately, know people who've ended up in wheelchairs who are just mad at the world. They think, God cursed me and put me here. Now, what's the difference? What's the difference between Joey Erickson Tata and someone who's bitter about their wheelchair? Know what the difference is? The way they're choosing to deal with the same situation. But here's the thing. God wants you to realize that in every single situation, his goal is to bear fruit in your life. And this is why it's such a huge distraction, because you know what goes on for most of us? Something happens that we don't prefer, and we automatically think, God must not like me, or God must be really mean, or God isn't real. But instead, when you realize that God wants to bear fruit in my life, now there's no wasted moments in your life. There's nothing that goes on that you don't think to yourself, God wants to bear fruit in my life. So Lord, even though I don't like this, Will you accomplish your purposes because you want to bear fruit in my life? You want me to be fruitful. And as I am united to Christ through his finished work by the Spirit, God can use anything to make me fruitful. Doesn't that change the situation? Doesn't that change whatever you're going through right now and you say, okay, God's design is to make me fruitful right now. But you know what happens for most of us? We get so caught up in that we have something going on that we don't like that we don't even give God the chance to bear fruit in our life. Some of you have those cool cars. Your car's so cool that you need your spare tire on the back of the car. You know what I mean? And I know you're cool. That's why you have that. Most of you hide it under the car somewhere, but you got to have it on the back of the car. But you want it on the back of the car. I mean, some of you, your tire is so cool that you just have the tire, but everyone else puts a cover on the tire. How many of you have ever seen the Tweety Bird tire cover? Right? You know the Tweety Bird one. Tweety Bird's there. He's got his hands. I think Tweety's a dude. I don't know. Tweety's got their Tweety paws on their hips and got the furrowed brow. Like, you all know what I'm talking about? So for most of us, when God does something that we don't want, that's how we get Tweety Bird. We're like, I don't like this. Hmm. Hmm. Right? And what happens is, is that's a total distraction. That's a total distraction because now what you're doing is you're divorcing God's desire to make you fruitful from your situation. Now, for some people, that happens for a long time, right? You lose huge stretches of time when God's like, look, this situation, although not welcomed, is actually designed by me to bear fruit in your life that can only be born through this situation if you will but trust me. And I'm sure there's a lot of you here right now, you're like, oh. That's totally me. Listen, you can't go back and relive yesterday, but you do have control over today. Listen, God wants to bear fruit in your life. And you know what the fruit that God wants to bear in your life? It's the fruit of his spirit. So you're going to think, all the fruit. No, it's the fruit of his spirit. You guys know what the fruit of the spirit is, right? It's love, joy, peace, 
long-suffering, kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness, self-control. Against such there is what? No law. If you don't know what I'm talking about, Galatians chapter 5, verses 22 in the beginning of 23. Right? So what you realize very quickly is that what God wants to do is he wants to bear fruit in your life. Now, what's beautiful in the book of Galatians is that it's a singular fruit with multiple characteristics. And it's not you have to bear your fruit. It's the fruit of what? The Spirit. Jesus wants us to bear fruit by abiding in who? In him. So the beauty, this is not about works righteousness. This is about how you choose to live your life every single day. And what I love here is that Ruth didn't allow her circumstances to make her bitter. Naomi did for a little bit. And you have to ask yourself, how distracted are you by not receiving the things that you think you want rather than being focused on the fact that no matter what, God's going to bear fruit in your life. And my friends, that is the offer that God has to us. For many of us, we're so used to being distracted by us not getting things that we want. See, what I believe is I believe that this idea that God wants us to be fruitful, he's glorified that we bear much fruit. The fruit of the spirit comes as we simply respond to Jesus, as we trust God in the moments of our lives. I believe that this is an organizing principle for life. No matter what comes up, you say, Lord, will you bear the fruit you want to bear in my life? Say, Lord, will you help me to navigate this knowing that you are a good God doing good things? And even though I don't like this, I don't want this to make me bitter. I want Jesus, you to make me better. And that transforms the situation, doesn't it? See, Boaz and Ruth, they're fruitful. And that's powerful. But it doesn't only stop there because we see Ruth and Boaz, they come together, they're fruitful. And then from there, look at what happens next. In verse 14, it says, Then the woman said to Naomi, Blessed be the Lord who has not left you this day without a close relative. And may his name be famous in Israel. And may he be to you a restorer of life and a nourisher of your old age for your daughter-in-law who loves you, who is better to you than seven sons has borne him. And then Naomi took the child and laid him on her bosom and became a nurse to him. Also, the neighbor women gave him a name saying, there is a son born to Naomi and they called his name Obed. Now, there's a couple things here. First, the scene shifts from Boaz and Ruth and now this son who is born. And now it moves back to Naomi. Now, what's beautiful here is that the women who one time came to Naomi and was so happy she's back and Naomi's bitter, now they begin to praise the Lord. So it's the testimony of what's going on here that's causing them to praise the Lord. They say, praise the Lord who has not left you this day without a close relative. And may his name be famous in Israel. And may he be to you as a restorer of life and a nourisher of our old age. Jesus is real. There are a million things to distract us from our God-given purpose on this earth. When we get caught up in the cares of this life, we forget what that purpose is. In today's message, Pastor Daniel gave us all a wake-up call. You were placed here on the earth to produce the fruit of the Spirit. When you realize that, there's nothing that can distract you from it. Nothing that's too discouraging because God is always at work in you. 
Hey everybody, Pastor Daniel here, lead pastor of Crossroads Community Church in Vancouver, Washington. We would love to connect with you in person. We have services on Sundays at 9 a.m. and 11 a.m. If you are not able to join us in person, connect with us online at live.crossroadschurch.net or find us on Facebook at Go, the number two, and Crossroads. Hey, this is Josh, and I wanted to personally thank you for listening today to Jesus is Real Radio. Did you know that Pastor Daniel also has a TV program? It's called Real with Daniel Fusco. I want to encourage you to go to JesusIsRealRadio.com, click on the stations option in the main menu, and find out if Real with Daniel Fusco airs on a TV station in your area. Make sure to tune in again as Pastor Daniel will share two paths you can take at any point in your life. You can choose which way your life will go, even in the hardest moments. The hard times will either make you bitter or they will make you better. If you submit to the processes of God, you'll realize that there are no wasted moments in your life. God can use anything to make you fruitful if you are yielded to Him. There's more to come from Pastor Daniel's series called Oasis. Please glance at the clock right now and make plans to join us again for another edition of Jesus is Real Radio.